This is the news for week commencing 2nd of October 2023. The quarterly release of job vacancy data last Thursday showed vacancies falling below 400,000 for the first time since November 2021. On a seasonally adjusted basis, vacancies dropped from 428,000 in May to 390,000 at the end of August, which is an 8.9% drop. Private sector vacancies fell 9.2% and public sector vacancies dropped 6.3%. Vacancies are still 95% above their March 2020 level. The proportion of businesses reporting at least one vacancy was 21.7% in August, down from 24.7% in May. This was the lowest result since November 2021, but still almost double the March 2020 result. On a sector-by-sector basis, manufacturing recorded the highest increase from May to August in the number of businesses recruiting at least one vacancy from 16.8% to 29.5%, with electricity, gas, water and waste services sector recording the largest drop over the same time span from 36.7% to 24.2% of businesses reporting at least one vacancy. Earlier this year, the Western Australian Government embarked on an aggressive advertising and promotional campaign to recruit British emergency services workers and healthcare workers to help fill hundreds of vacancies. Last Tuesday, the first 23 British police officers hired as a result of the campaign were officially welcomed and sworn into their new job by the WA Police Commissioner. Over 1,400 applications were received as a result of the campaign. After the swearing-in ceremony, one of the recruits, 33-year-old Ben Woods, formerly a sergeant in the Sussex Police in England, said, Perth is one of the cleanest, tidiest cities I've ever been to. The sunrises and sunsets are just phenomenal. The crime rates are clearly lower. There's no graffiti, no gangs of kids. It feels like a nice, safe place to be. Western Australia's Minister for Police, Paul Papalia, said the state was aiming to recruit 150 officers from overseas every year for the next five years. Starbucks has backpaid staff in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and the Gold Coast more than $4.5 million after becoming aware of underpayments to workers, including baristas and supervisors, according to the Fair Work Ombudsman. The global coffeehouse chain has also entered into an enforceable undertaking. The company self-reported its non-compliance to the Fair Work Ombudsman in 2020 after conducting a review of its time and attendance and payroll systems. Most underpayments were the result of Starbucks failing to pay part-time staff to correct overtime they were entitled to under the Fast Food Industry Award. A small number of full-time store managers were also underpaid due to Starbucks paying them annual salaries that were insufficient to cover their minimum award entitlements, given the significant amount of overtime and weekend work they performed. Individual back payments range from $20 to $18,574 across 2,427 current and former employees who were underpaid between 2014 and 2020. The average back payment is $1,883. Enforceable undertaking requires Starbucks to provide evidence to the Ombudsman of its completed back payments by the end of September and make a $150,000 contrition payment to the Commonwealth's Consolidated Revenue Fund. The world's 100 largest staffing firms generated an estimated $285.3 billion US dollars in revenue in 2022 representing 44% of global staffing revenue, according to the largest staffing firms globally 2023 report by staffing industry analysts. 
The five largest global staffing firms accounted for 15% of global staffing revenue. The top five firms are unchanged from last year. In sales order, they are Randstad, $25.8 billion, ADECO, $24.6 billion, Manpower, $20.9 billion, Allegis Group, $13.5 billion, and in fifth place, Recruit Group, with sales of $11.8 billion. 48 of the 100 largest staffing firms are based in the United States. The UK has 14 and Japan has 11. Corn Ferry ranks as the largest executive search firm, while Recruit Group posted the highest market capitalization of all firms on the list at 49.9 billion US dollars. Seek New Zealand reported that job ads increased for the first time since March, rising 2% month on month. Applications per job ad increased for the sixth consecutive month, rising 2%. The industries driving the job ad increase were hospitality and tourism, 20%, community services and development, 11%, and education and training, 12%. Construction at negative 7% was the largest industry to record a decline in job ads. A British council that has been trying out a four-day week for office workers and bin collectors is to defy ministers and press ahead with its new working pattern, it has announced. Earlier in the month, Lee Rowley, the Minister for Local Government, wrote to the South Cambridgeshire District Council saying, this experiment should end. The letter was an escalation after the government said in June it was opposed to four-day work weeks in local government. But Bridget Smith, the council's leader, said the four-day week would continue until the end of its trial period after it boosted the number and quality of job applicants, saving more than £550,000 a year in agency worker costs and allowing it to fill nine posts that no one had previously wanted. We've consistently said that this is an evidence-based trial to see whether a four-day week can improve our critical recruitment challenges, she said. Not being able to fill vacant posts especially in our planning team, is disruptive to services for our residents. We need to try, We need the trial to run for its full plan length until the end of March to gather data and assess whether a difference has been made. Apparently, there are two types of people, give or take a few, when it comes to preferred working styles today. Splitters, who like to have clear boundaries between their work and personal lives and tune into their jobs completely from 9am to 5pm, and blenders who are preferring to mix their work tasks and personal time throughout the day. Amid the return to office push and transition to hybrid work, it seems leaders have overestimated how much people prefer to blend rather than work firm hours and new reporters found. White-collar workers are equally divided between being splitters and blenders, according to a Gallup poll survey of over 18,000 working-age adults conducted in February. But among 150 chief human resources officers at Fortune 500 companies that Gallup surveyed recently, just 24% thought their white-collar workers would be splitters, when in fact 45% preferred a splitter work style. When it came to production frontline employees, CHROs thought 54% of their employees would be splitters, and in reality 62% preferred a splitter work style. Employees are more likely to be disengaged, burned out, and looking for another job when they aren't allowed to work in the way that best suits them, according to the Gallup report. 
One takeaway from the finding is that Gallup suggests leaders could be underestimating the number of their employees who want a more structured nine-to-five routine, dedicated focus time, and to know exactly when they are working or not. Leaders may need to be more understanding of those who prefer clear work boundaries. And that's the news for the week beginning the 2nd of October 2023. Question of the week. Question of the week this week is why you should vote for Adele Last as your accredited representative on the RCSA board. (laughs) To provide some context, the board of directors are elected by RCSA members and are responsible for all matters pertaining to the running of the association. The board has the authority to determine the policy, practices, management and operation of the RCSA. There are currently nine members of the board spanning uh, both Australia and New Zealand. So Adele, why have you put yourself forward and why should people vote for you? Well, thank you, Ross. I wanted to be able to sort of talk about this publicly, I suppose, and you asked me, and I, and I really am grateful for the opportunity that you asked me, why did I want to be put forward? Why did I want to be nominated for the board? And it was something that I'd been thinking about for for a while, I would say maybe more than a year. Uh, I'd thought about doing this or considering the opportunity when it arose. And there were lots of, I guess, um uh, influences and factors and signs in some ways that kept kind of pointing me towards uh, making the decision to definitely go ahead and nominate uh, myself um, and get support for that nomination uh, to the board. The main one actually that really drives me is actually around diversity. And I have to say, it was probably Eddie Betts and the presentation at at the conference um, that really cemented it for me in trying to really get better understanding and uh, awareness and change around diversity, particularly cultural diversity. So it's something that I'm intimately and personally passionate about anyway. And when I look at our board as a representation, when I look at our industry as a representation, I go to many events and I hate to say, but I'm often the one of very few brown faces in the crowd. So hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What? Brown face? But Adele, you and... But your name's Adele Last, and you speak good Aussie like I do. What do you mean, brown face? Yes, well, I'm glad you asked that too, Ross. Um, what many people probably don't know is I have an Indian background. So, yes, I was born in Australia, and I have an Aussie accent, obviously. If you haven't met me or seen me and you'd only heard the podcast, you wouldn't note that I have a multicultural background. But I come from migrant, um, new migrants to Australia. My parents were both migrants. They came to Australia with very little. They were not recognised for the skills and qualifications they had in their own country. They had to start again, and I've lived that. Uh, experience in trying to, you know, restart life in a new country and seeing how hard that is firsthand and as well as through my program. You know, currently now I spend a lot of time with similar type people, new migrants or people who've come to Australia and studied and are really finding it hard to get that first break in Australia. So of all different nationalities, not just Indian, but uh, yeah, as I said, something that is um, very passionate about and I think it's important. Obviously, diversity is a big buzzword, but 
I kind of hate that it is just a word. I really want to see some change and I think we need to lead that as an industry if we're going to be talking to clients and candidates about being diverse and how important diversity is. We've got to show it on our own, you know, in our own membership base and in our own board. I agree. I absolutely agree. And that came across sort of and hit me between the eyes when last week at the RCSA conference, there was a a presentation on helping refugees into work and on stage was a refugee uh, from Iran. And he was looking out into the audience and he basically made a comment about although he didn't say it specifically, basically he, in, he inferred, wow, all I'm seeing is white faces out there. And, it, you know, no surprise because it's, mm, well, Winston Bernard is clearly not a white face and Winston's been around the whole recruitment industry in this country for a long time. Um, she is certainly one of the most prominent non-white members, but uh, she's very much in the minority. Yeah, I've often uh, sat at an event with Winsome and we've uh, commented about being one of two very few um, women of colour, in fact, as well. So not just uh, having the brown face, but, yeah, very few women involved as well. So, uh, yes, that that's definitely one of the key drivers. A couple of the other things, though, are around, you know, my commitment to the industry and to the RCSA and what it stands for and what we do. You know, I love recruitment. I am, you know, a recruiter through and through. I always have been through my career and I've been a member of the RCSA for the whole time. I've been a recruiter. I joined when I very first started and I've maintained that membership consistently because I really believe in having an association that represents us and supporting that association um, both financially and physically. I've always volunteered my time for different committees and different clubs. I'm on the Count Victaz Council. Uh, I even worked for the RCSA for a short while. People may not know that. So I actually worked as an employee of the RCSA. And so I feel like I've got an intimate understanding of the internal challenges of running an association that's member-based, that is run by committee. It's hard. It's really hard. And I absolutely have huge respect for what the RCSA do for our industry And I can see from both sides. So I think that's a really valuable sort of view to have as a board member. And I'm really future focused. You know, I'm still young. I know I have uh, very grey hair, if if you've seen it. I I was grey from a young age. So I'm uh, younger than I probably look. Uh, But I am future focused about what this industry stands for uh, moving forward. So I have a huge respect and was trained by what I call kind of, you know, the elder statesman of the industry. I was trained and coached and mentored by those that I have huge respect for that laid the foundation. But now I'd like to take it to the next phase of its evol- you know, its evolution. I'd like to see where we take this industry. There's so much change. There's always been change. And I think we need to move a little faster than we have been. And I'd like to keep us future focused as well. So they're my main reasons, Russ. Excellent. So should I say right at this point, Authorised by Ross Quinnett, Benton's Road, Mornington. Like, you know, for uh, electoral ads, everything's got to be authorised. So maybe I should put that disclaimer. (laughs) I'm sure we don't have to. It's the RCSA. I don't know how many other people are going to nominate for the position. I'd imagine there will be an election 
Um, mm. I certainly know of one other person that's nominated. Uh, so when does the voting start, Adele? Do you know? I, I don't it's know the details. Yeah, no, I don't know the details. Just waiting for um, for confirmation of that. There'll be, I, I agree with you, I believe there are a number of people that will nominate. So I'll be one of a number of people you can consider. We all need to put um, a description of our backgrounds uh, out into the public so you'll be able to read about myself and the other nominees. And, you know, if you feel like I'm a worthy applicant for your vote to represent you as a member, I'd really love to have your vote and happy to chat with anyone at any time about, you know, what's important to membership. And that's what I'm really wanting to drive as that future focus is what do our members really want and how do we get that happening um, straight away. Great. So there you have it. Recruitment News Australia goes political for question of the week this week. Unashamedly promoting the candidacy of Adele Last for the position of accredited representative on the RCSA National Board. So vote one, Adele, and uh, <laughs> look forward to seeing you as a member of the National Board in the very near future, Adele. Thanks, Russ. Thanks for the opportunity. And yes, vote one, Adele. Thank you. And now you're up to date with your recruitment news. And for all previous episodes, visit our website at recruitmentnewsaustralia.com.au. And connect with us on LinkedIn. Ross Clennett and Adele Last. 